Hello, welcome to Cloud and Blue. My name is Dan Ronitz. I'm joined this afternoon by Matt Kendrick. Uh, it's been a while, Matt, since we've done a, one of these like this. How, how are you? How's things? I'm all right, yeah. I'm just trying to think the last time I spoke to you. It has been, it has been a while, but... Uh, we did a live show together, obviously, in person. I think the last one you did like this might have been the last game of the season. Oh, what a glorious day that was. <laughs> Today's show is keep or sell assessing Aston Villa's current squad as we head into the new season. The transfer window officially opened on Wednesday of this week as we record this. It's obviously still very much early doors and a lot of the players we talk about will go on to move on and we're going to kind of categorise them into first team squad, short term loan, long term loan and sell. So I've got a tier list, everyone loves a tier list on YouTube which we'll we'll edit into the, the YouTube version of this show as well. How much kind of transfer business do you expect from Villa this year what, what do you think would be reasonable for them to mount kind of a challenge next year really interesting question well done Dan thanks, um, thanks mate <laughs> ordinarily Villa has just been a, a, a player buying and selling machine um, for mm. as long as I can remember now in the last 10 years for, for various reasons so we tend to see big squad overhauls now I wouldn't expect that this season the only caveat to that is we've got another competition to add into the mix. Mm. We hopefully, with a, a, a manager who's a, a master of, of, of cup competitions, we hopefully want to be playing more games in the, the domestic cups than we usually do as well. Probably say this in answer to most of the questions that you asked throughout the course of the next three seasons. You know, it's up to Emery. Um, but what I would say is I think that being in the being in the, the Conference League gives an opportunity to fringe players that they wouldn't ordinarily have had, certainly in the early rounds of that, of that competition. So a long-winded answer... I don't know. I, I can't imagine there being more than five five signings, and I think that's probably you know a, a fair number. Yeah, I think John's used the phrase major surgery a few times, and that he wouldn't expect to see that to the maybe the starting eleven that you're going to see five or six new starters come in and be playing the first game of the season. And I agree with that. It's about improving the squad as a, as a whole and, and and squad depth. I think you might see you know like when Sky Sports or whoever did like their transfer roundups for each club, and they've got like incomings and outgoings. You might see Villa's number quite high, possibly. I think there'll be a lot of those players that didn't contribute many or any minutes to Villa's first team last season anyway. So there are a lot of players on the fringes that aren't also good enough to come back and, and feature in the Conference League that have gone out on, on loan and may go out on loan again or come to the end of contracts and things and, and get a cup price deal somewhere. So there might be a few kind of ins and outs at Villa, but whether how, how many of those actually affect the starting eleven, I'm not so sure. And that's what we'll get into throughout this this episode. So I've got the tier list of every player that's listed on the first team website on avfc.co.uk. Goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, attackers, loanees. There's some that I'm gonna, we're going to categorise them into first team squad, so the starting 11 and, and the subs bench, a season-long loan, a short-term loan, and then sell. These are obviously just the opinions of you and me. Um, there's some in here that I'm just going to straight away bang them in first team squad because it's not even worth discussing whether we're going to loan Emmy Martinez, for example, or sell anyone. So if you disagree with any of these, quickly interrupt me. So Moreno, first team squad, Dean, first team squad, Cash, Concer, Carlos, Mings, Kamara, Louise, obviously Tiedemans, because he's just... Podcast you've ever done, you don't need me. John McGee. Morning, mate. I can go and make a brew. <laughs> Jacob Ramsey, Ollie Watkins. I'd say that's probably, for now, just as the definites. There's some of those that others will also consider first team squad, like a Buendia or a Bailey, but we'll get to those in a sec. But those ones that I've placed above there are, are nailed on for, I assume, 100% of people watching this. The only one that you'd potentially put as a question mark is is Luca Dean. I think that's probably as much about whether he's interested to stay mm. for the fight as it is whether Villa would keep him. I think it's a, I think we're strong in the left back area if we keep them both. Mm. But 
as squads develop, this is where Emery's kind of master managerial skills have got to come in. You've got to decide whether you can create a culture where even your player who's only playing half a dozen times a season still feels involved in it. This is where O'Neill was brilliant at managing a really tight group of around yeah. 13, 14 players found it more difficult to manage a squad of 20 to 25 players. When we have this discussion, I know it's only kind of based on what you you think and I think. I think it's worth factoring in. We only want players here who are fully signed up, Mm. you know, fully signed up to the project, really. So I think those ones who are going to have to play second fiddle most seasons, that's going to be an interesting almost challenge for the manager. We'll go through the rest from the picture order at the bottom of the screen there. Where do you put Robin Olsen into this? We've got Sinasala there as well, the other keeper that's featured on the bench. We might as well do these together. It's hard to judge Olsen on the basis of, of half dozen performances, but if you that's all we've got. That's the only kind of sample. You know, it's a small sample size, but I don't think he's been, well, I know he's not been, been up to the task, uh, particularly the way that, that Emery wants to play with the, the sweeper keeper. I don't think he's good enough with the ball at his feet to play the way that, that Emery wants to play. And I think because of that, I think it's almost infected his confidence, even with his kind of basic goalkeeping skills. So I think we need an upgrade on him. And I think he probably, I don't, I don't want to speak speak for Robin Olsen, but I don't know, he'd probably acknowledge that and probably want to go and play first-team football somewhere else. I don't know, but I'd sell him. I'd, I'd move him on and, and try and try and bring an upgrade, which again is a challenge in itself. Mm, well, it depends. I mean, John did a video last week, and Emery does tend to play a second choice goalkeeper in cup competition. So, if we go all the way in the Conference League and say go into the semi-finals or, or the quarter-finals of both the domestic cups, a second choice keeper would play. 20, 22 games over the course of the season, which is a, a decent number. It's not like somebody's coming in knowing that they're a, a Scott Carson who's literally third choice and will never play. Great for Scott Carson, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, you know, it's not not all keepers are going to want to do that as a second choice. Sinasalo has been around the bench as as the under-21 keeper who's kind of stepped up when we've had two keepers on the bench uh, in most times. If you're selling Olsen, I assume you're keeping Sinasalo around as, as you understood the third choice, basically. I think so, yeah. I think so. Okay. Um, I don't think he's. Uh, I think he's too much of a rookie to be to be trusted. Well, that trusted sounds a bit harsh. You know what I mean? I think it's a lot to rely on a, a player of that age to to be an understudy the club with the ambitions that we've got. But equally, you know, if he's he's happy to to bide his time and and, and learn from learn from the master in ME, then I definitely keep him keep him along. Some defenders then here on, on the fringes, Courtney Hawes and Callum Chambers. Uh, Courtney Hawes' contract expires in 2025, as does Chambers, in fact, as well. As I said earlier, about kind of we could see a lot of players replaced and that's not necessarily going to impact the first team that much because Courtney Hawes hasn't played this season. And I don't know the figure off the top of my head and I'll flash it up on screen in the edit. Callum Chambers hasn't played a great deal either. So they're backup players, aren't they? But you do need that squad depth. So how would you assess those two? Keep Chambers... And I'd move on Courtney Hawes. I think, you know, and I think Hawes has obviously played his part in terms of little cameos around uh, along the way. I think Villa have outgrown him, mm. to be honest. I think Chambers is an interesting one. I don't think with the central defensive department that we've got, Diego Carlos being back fit now and Mings and Consat really adapting quickly to the way that, that Emery wants to play. I don't think Chambers would get a look in very often. I know we've got the 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 cup competitions that that may change that but i think the fact that he can play as a as a dm as a fullback and Mm -hmm. his kind of main position as center half i think it's a useful almost kind of swiss army knife of a player to to have um so i'd 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 keep him around nakamba 
he was out on loan, obviously at Luton Town, got promoted with them. Um, I've not seen anything over the summer in terms of links with them, but again, the the, the easy link is a little bit like the Keenan Davis thing last year with Forrest getting promoted, or maybe they'll sign him. They didn't. Uh, there's a possibility that Nakamba sticks around at Luton, whether they, again, these things are variable. When we put people into into sell or loan, Courtney Horse would very well be loaned out again because he's still got a couple of years on his contract on a, you'd imagine, a decent wage in comparison to the level you might need to drop down to to play anywhere. Nakamba could be loaned out. He could be sold, depending on what club will be willing to take on his contract. Nakamba's contract expires next summer, so he's only got a year left on his deal anyway. So a cut price deal to Luton, possibly? I, I don't know how he gets looking, really. I mean, the midfield's looking as strong as I can remember for, for quite some time. You know, I'm not sure he's going to be able to, to force his way in ahead of any of those who we've put in the, the first-team squad. So, I do like Nakamba. I've got a soft spot for him. I don't know why. I kind of like his baby-faced enthusiasm. And, you know, for, for a while under Gerard, he had a real purple patch, didn't he? And we know, we've said this countless times, that he's great at winning the ball. Um, also, he's great at winning the ball because he gets so much practice because he's not that great at keeping it. I think Villa are really strong in that situation now where we've got people who can win the ball, you know, advance the ball, protect the ball, find a teammate with it. So I don't think Nakamba, I mean, listen, he might prove me wrong. He might move to Luton and absolutely tear it up in the Premier League week in, week out for them. But I think at the moment with where Villa are going, I think we can we can cope without him. What kind of figure do you think would be a decent return for him? Probably talking somewhere between five and ten. I'd have thought with a with a year left. I mean, let's not. He, he's still a good commodity in the fact that he's he, he has got a, a, a little bit of prem, Premier League experience. He's is a good age, but I just think with that contract ticking down, I'm not sure how much we'd be able to demand for him. But you know, if we if we flogged him for eight million, uh, our midfield carried on being strong, and he got a club, you know. Went to Luton and and, and and did well there. I think that that's that'd be a win-win for everybody. So Nakambo, quick Google search. He's actually 29, so you're saying he's a good age. I think his baby face kind of uh, changes that the perception a little bit. He's 29. Good age players hit their prime, don't they? Uh, oh, I looking, looking at him, I probably thought he was about 19. I don't think his, his opportunities are going to be going to be vast in that team, even with the the. the competitions that we're in the other midfielder that i've got here i mean there's still a couple left but in the in a similar kind of mold really is is leander dendonka obviously he's recently joined the club in the last 12 months but already kind of talk of is he already heading out the door a little bit with the midfielders we've got in place now looking at top section of kamara douglas louise mcginn tielemans ramsey if we're not saying the camera's got no chance dendonka is also in that in that similar bracket. I thought that was a smart signing when we signed him and I still think he could do a job. I'll, I'll be tempted to still keep him up into that top tier of, of first team squad and still be around it. But it's one of those ones that I think if somebody came in and said, West Ham, for example, said he has 10 million, 8 million, I'd probably go, you know what, that's decent. Solid but not spectacular. I think he's, he's mm. how you describe him and he's, I think he's played well. You know, he's very, very nuts and bolts player. I think he, he comes to that balancing act, don't you, between knowing that the standards are higher in that squad and that we're going to expect a better kind of caliber of player to, to move us forward and not leaving yourself light in the event of suspensions and injuries. And I think we're going to be coming to, to Sanson next anyway, but yeah. of the midfielders that we've got to so far, I would probably be inclined to keep Dendonka mainly because he's already had six months of Emery ball from the bits that we've seen. If we, if we blot out forever that moment against Stevenage, He's adapted quite well to it in, in my mind as a as a fringe player. He'd be the one that, that that would of the midfielders that would probably get get the edge for me. Like like, like Nakamba, Dendonka's a good age at twenty eight. <laughs> Knows Tielemans, 
you know, they, they've uh, were underlet together, obviously Belgian teammates, and there might be some kind of connection there if they play together. I, I'd keep Dendonka around. I think again, like I said, unless an offer comes in that is pretty much what Villa paid, and you think, yeah, let's let's cash in and move on. Moving on to Sanson, yeah, just I just don't see. It. I saw something the other day that he'd done well at, at Strasbourg on loan, and they want him. They want to loan him again. I think I don't know what where that came from. It's reports from uh, France rather than anything over here. But you'd like to finally get a transfer, transfer fee back for somebody who's never going to be in and around it and hasn't been around the squad for a couple of seasons now. But if, again, it's another loan just to run down his contract, then I feel like this is going to be one of those ones that rumbles on a little bit. No, he's one of the mystery ones, isn't he, Sansung? He came with, with such a such a reputation and we've only really, really seen it in, in fits and starts, haven't we? And partly because he's had a lack of opportunities, but if he was tearing it up in training, if he was staying fit, if he was, you know, making himself unpickable then we would have seen a lot more opportunities but he's passed through several managers now and and, and none of whom have, have, have fancied him fancied him enough to, to start him regularly so I, I don't think it will happen I think he'll find his find his home back in his kind of native home of, of, of France and, and continue to do well there but I'd almost like to see what he did at another Premier League club you know not not so he was absolutely brilliant and we're all regretting it but just so he can properly judge whether he mm as bad fit for him, Premier League's bad fit for him or whatever, because I think there's a hell of a player in there, but I just don't think we're ever going to see see him shine at Villa. I'm going to put him in season-long loan just because I've got that category there. We might as well start filling it up with somebody. <laughs> I would like to sell him and move him on and get some kind of money back for him, but I think it's just going to be a case of him repeatedly going out until he eventually runs down his contract. You know, another podcast, when I did the first bit of the, sec- the first section at the start, saying first team squad nailed on, most people probably would put Bailey and Brendier in that category for next year. And I probably do agree that they, they should be in there rather than any of the other three. It's just that they're not on the fringes because that's not the right word, but I would like to see more from both of them. And if you know we paid, what, 28 million or something for Bailey reportedly, if we were offered 25 million from somebody tomorrow, I think most people would say, yeah, let's take that. So that's why they're not kind of like guaranteed starter, put them in that top bracket there. But they're both going to be around the squad, aren't they, Buendir and Bailey? I think this is the the drawback of doing this so early in the summer. And to be fair to Villa, they've done a lot of business yeah. earlier in the summer in the last couple of years. At the moment, that first team squad section looks light in width, doesn't it? If you yeah. if you yeah. think you know you've got your got your attacking width, obviously in terms of your fullbacks or wing back, wing backs, but and we know that Ramsey can play play wide. We know that McGinn can play wide. But if we did this in, in a month's time and Villa have, have bought players in, in attacking wide areas, you'd mm. obviously say, well, actually, what does that mean for those two? I think at the at the moment, because the squad doesn't boast anybody else, really, yeah. or anybody <laughs> established in those areas, then I think they've got to be in there. And, you know, it's both are really good players, aren't they? Both are, both yeah. are fantastic players. and Just want to see more. Yeah, I think it's not, I'm, I've been a crit- critic of Buendia because I think some, sometimes he needs he, he needs it to be a silky touch or you know a, a progressive pass, and when sometimes he could be better at bringing the ball under control and just keeping Villa in possession. Mm. But then you, you see some of the some of the goals and some of the attacking moves, and you you watch them back and you think, well, actually, I didn't notice what he'd done in there, but he was pivotal, you know, in the way that he's dragged a defender out of place or yeah. the way that he has moved on the half turn. And I think I think the the higher up the table we get, the kind of greedier that we get, that we want people to be doing things a hundred percent well hundred percent of the of the time. And I don't know, maybe uh, another season under under the coaching 
of Emery will will smooth off his, his his rough edges. So, given the squad that we've got at the moment, he definitely deserves his, his place in in the mm. first team group. Bailey does as well. You know, he's, he frustrates the hell out of me. But you know, how many times have we said it's a winger's prerogative and they're not always going to be be that great? And with Bailey, it's an evolution of him becoming the team player that, that Emery wants mm. him to be, rather than the kind of trick and flick merchant that he's probably got his reputation from being being yeah. this. this Almost kind of superstar who can change games in his, in his own right, and that's a, that's a gamble for Emery because if you if you try and smooth off the rough, rough edges of Bailey and you make him become this part in a machine, does that does losing his flair lose the essence of, of of Leon Bailey for now certainly, and and unless we're blown away in the transfer market with with a couple mm. of wide attacking additions, which I hope we are. I think they're definitely in that group. Yeah, I think if you sign one winger, so like Harvey Barnes is the example at the moment who's linked with a move away. If we signed him, I still think Wendy and Bailey would both be in the first team squad, but it would be somebody further down the list like Bertrand Truro who's probably coming to the end of his career then. If we signed two two wingers and a number 10, say, you'd then be thinking, well, where does Bailey fit into that as well? Like, obviously, Truro would certainly be gone as well, but you think Bailey, Wendy, like, maybe they have to go out on loan somewhere or, or something or we need to recoup some money. But for now, I think, and even if we only signed one attacking kind of forward role, I still think they'll both be around it, but I just want to see more from both. Coutinho, how do you assess him? The Gerard era, I suppose, is Coutinho, isn't he? Somebody comes in who's we think maybe we can rekindle something there. If there's any, if there's anyone who's going to get anything out of him, it's going to be Stephen Gerrard, which sounds mental, doesn't it? Considering his coaching pedigree, but they know each other well, they're good friends and all that kind of thing. If he's fit and firing, you know, Emery's one of the best people to be able to get something out of him. It's just, is he going to be fit and firing enough to be relied upon? Probably not. It's a really interesting one with Coutinho because you've probably got on your uh, on your hard drive, you've probably got seven or eight examples of me declaring my undying love to him, saying how he makes my heart melt and yeah. and all that all that kind of thing. You say that that, that you know Gerard can get it. You need Gerard to get the best out of him. You need Coutinho fully invested to get yeah. to get the best out of him. And I don't know. I don't know whether. Let's face it. He joined the project in the first place because Stephen Stephen Gerrard was there because they'd obviously got a, an affinity from the time at Liverpool. I don't know. I just I can't see. It sounds stupid because he's a professional footballer and I'm sure he trains trains hard and stuff. But I can't really see what's in it for him now. Still in the Premier League though, isn't he? He's still in, in the best league in the world, and he's a, a good club and a club that's heading in the right direction. I think if Villa are going to play upwards of fifty games next year because they're competing on all fronts. And Coutinho, you could say, was going to be fit and available for selection for 50 games. I'd, I'd stick him up in the first team squad because I think he could offer something off the bench or in certain games, certainly in the, things like the Conference League and the early stages of cup competitions. Coutinho is still a talent if he's fit and he's, his head is in the right place. I'd also very, very happily put him in that bottom category if Saudi Arabia come calling with 10, 15 million and think he's a big name. We want him over in, in our league as a kind of a bit of a coup signing. So he could go in any of these categories for me. I'd, I'd think, yeah, fair enough. I just think if the if a right offer comes in, he'll be gone. If you could guarantee he was going to be fit and firing, I'd like to keep him because he's he's still a good player. and He's a good age, isn't he? If we're going to keep that going for this podcast. What is he, 31? Good age. Good age, good age. I think I think the thing with um, Coutinho is where's he at in his head? Would he, and it's probably a bit of a stereotype, but would he want to play somewhere where he can get the biggest payday of his life by mm. by playing playing in the in the in the Middle East and, and going there, being the star of the show, so getting all the kudos that that brings? Probably being a little bit of pressure off in a way, mm. in a yeah. way, um, in 
a sunnier climate, although the, the, that big ball of fire is burning brightly in Hal's Owen at the moment. Would he do those things? Or is there some part of him, is there some part of Emery's management, is there, the, the, there's some part of what a Villa as a whole that thinks, actually, playing in the Premier League, you know, arguably the strongest and most competitive league in the world, playing there, being the one who actually could help Aston Villa win a trophy for the first time in a generation, being the one who could help push Aston Villa towards the Champions League, is that better for his ego? Mm. You know, people have written me off. I want to do that. So I think it depends. You know, and we'll be having this conversation with you, I'm sure, but I think it depends, again, what he wants. But if you're asking me what I think will happen, I think he'll, I think he'll leave. I think he'll... I think he will go and, and, and seek pastures new. I wouldn't have any problem with him being hanging around the first team group. Why, why would you? You know what I mean? He's a he's a little magician who can be one of the best players in the Premier League on his day, but I just think that ship sailed, to be honest. Um, we're getting into some of the youngsters here, but we'll go for the rest of the, the current first team players first because they're, right, they're not quite in the right order. Bertrand Traore, we kind of touched on earlier. Again, I feel like if we sign a couple of forwards in the, or wide forwards, number 10s, whatever, if we make two or three signings, I don't think Bertrand Traore will be here despite his heroics against Leicester City. If we didn't sign any forwards and you're relying on Bertrand Traore again next season, I think that's a problem. Yeah, yeah I think what you've got to ask yourself is, I'm kind of tripping myself up by asking me this, by asking this. Because by asking yourself have, this question. If he hadn't have been involved last season, would we have missed him? The sensible part of me says... No, we wouldn't. But the, the flip side to that is, well, he wouldn't have scored that goal and we wouldn't have got those extra two points to turn that draw into a victory at Leicester and we wouldn't have qualified for Europe. So, do you know what I mean? So, yes, mm. we would have. But if you look at it kind of dispassionately, most of the cameos, with that exception, he's looked a bit kind of ragged in places. And I'd probably, if you can get money for him, I'd, I'd move him on. If not, I'd send, send him out on loan. I'd be disappointed in Villa's recruitment if we haven't strengthened in that area by the yeah, time the new kicks round, that he's still he's still seen as a viable option, and that that's not supposed to be kind of hypercritical of him because you know he's had his moments. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd see him see him leaving again. He's one of those ones. That I think if you could get some money for him, I'd happily sell him. I think he'll be up there with Sanson that we'll have to loan him out again until his contract expires next season, and then he's he's free to leave. It's only one more loan, and then he then he's gone, isn't he? So I can't see anyone offering us a decent enough transfer fee. But you never know. What have you made of John Duran? He's obviously signed this this window, uh, the, this year, sorry, in, in January. Very raw, I think is probably the, the right word. And I said in the live show that we did, I, I think he'll go out alone. I imagine he's, he's a bit like if a, if a Labrador won a competition to play at Villa Park. And I, I'm going to say keep him because I'd like to see him play a lot more football. I'd like to see what he can do in the Conference League. I'd like to see him start mm. some of the some of the the early rounds of the cup competitions. I think the the raw ingredients are there. But and I think again by training training with a, a really strong first team group, he will learn and he will develop. I find it really difficult to to, to make a judgment on him having having seen him so fleetingly. He was signed when Emery's name was above the door. Whether he was uh, Emery signing or whether he was a player that was was put in front front of Emery. He's got Emery's endorsement. So yeah. he must that he must have something about him. So Let's try and see how that develops. Let's put him up into first team squad for now then, up next to Watkins. But I suppose that is only kind of relevant if we talk about Cameron Arch next as well. He's obviously had successful loan periods and even last summer we were talking about maybe this is the time that he's in. Wesley hovering down there still. <laughs> yeah, that's Wesley as well. Yeah. Is this just Where's Wesley? I've just got a spot <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> Wesley's still here. Do you want to talk about Wesley quickly before we get into Archer properly? Yeah, let him go. Put him in cell. 
yeah, again, if we can get the, the fee for him, I, I think he might just be repeatedly loaned out until he's eventually run down, runs down his contract, which is a shame in some aspects. But yeah, signing Wesley and putting our hopes on him for twenty six million when we were first promoted seems like a long time ago and a spectacular failure. Keenan Davis as well. Let's get him out of the way quickly. Again, his contract runs out this time next year. He was on loan at Watford, wasn't he, last year? Feels like a championship signing for somebody. Again, whether somebody will come in and buy him is another thing. Maybe a short-term loan till, till the January window. And then, let's we put him in short-term loan because I've done that we case, but might as well use it. <laughs> no future at Aston Villa for Davis. One that could have a future and should have probably had one last year. This is what I was about to talk about. is Cameron Archer. Obviously, friend of the Ashley Priest family, as we all know. Uh, and one that we thought might have an impact this year because he seemed he was ready. Steven Gerrard kept telling us he was ready. And then he was loaned out again and had a, a good a good season at Middlesbrough alongside Aaron Ramsey, by the way, which we'll talk about in a second. To me, if you're bringing Cameron Archer back into the first team squad alongside Ollie Watkins and you're signing a number nine or a, a second striker number 10 kind of hybrid player, I don't see how then you can have John Duran up in there as well. To me, it's either Duran or Archer. I can't see it being all of those three. Watkins, Archer, Duran, and possibly one more. So where do you put Cameron Archer? Well, you, you've asked me 27 questions about Archer. Sorry. Why are you asking about him? Do you know him or something? <laughs> it was interesting because I was asked this question, well, not by you, by somebody, uh, probably Ashley Pree, a couple of months ago when Middlesbrough was still on the verge of mm. they just made the playoffs and on the verge of getting into, well, potentially challenging to get in the Premier League. And where my mind was at then was I thought it'd be best for all parties if he went back on loan to Middlesbrough in the Premier League, but we'd be able to have a proper look at him playing regularly in the Premier League, seeing how he adapted to the pace and physicality of the Premier League, whether when he'd probably get a lot less chances on goal, how prolific he was in in, in, in those circumstances. That's not going to happen now. Or it's certainly not going to happen with Middlesbrough. I would probably be open to him doing that with another newly promoted club because I think it's really difficult to make a judgment. And I think I, I'm torn between thinking we should get him in there and let's see what he can do from the bench and mm. worrying whether him being on the bench stifles his development. Um, mm. Well, if you're being greedy, you know, as an Aston Villa fan, you'd rather rather see him, see whether he can do it for us. Uh, and he'd probably have more opportunities this season with the, like I say, with the Conference League and the, the, the cup competitions than he would have previously. That's a bit of a, bit of a cop-out from me there, but... Let's, I'll let you decide on this one. What, what what would you do? Like I said, if it was up to me, I'll be having Cameron Archer up in the first team squad and I'll be loaning out Duran because I, uh, I think he looks less ready than, than Archer. In English football, that is a fact, isn't it? Because Duran's only joined in January and, and Archer's at least had successful spells in the Championship. And it's different to the Premier League, but he's, he's clearly got the talent and the ability and the kind of things you can't teach. It doesn't, you know, kind of doesn't matter what level you're playing at. If you're a finisher, you're a finisher to, to a degree. I think you've got Watkins and Archer and one other who we haven't yet signed will be the, the three forwards that we pick from, supported by Harvey Barnes, Brendia Bailey, those kind of players, uh, a winger, number 10 player. If you put Archer and Watkins and Duran in there, that's only three centre forwards. Hmm. I think you could get those three in well, yeah. and sign another one. Yeah, but I think the I think the the game time then is very limited because if you sign somebody, they're yeah, going to be the main man with Watkins. Yeah, probably only going to probably only going to play 
I don't know. It depends how, how many of them he's going to play. Let's put let's put Duran back up in there for now because, like we say, we keep saying we're going to sign a striker. We haven't, as we're recording this video, we will though, and I, I would say that one of those two will go out on loan, whether it's a short term loan and it, they'll be back in January to to reassess, or, or the other way around that they they stay in the first part of the season for the conference group stages and then have a, a loan in the second half of the season in January possibly. We'll keep them as all in the first team squad for now. Uh, we've then got five youngsters left at the bottom here now. Finazaz, Jaden Philogene, Aaron Ramsey, Louis Barry and Tim Orobunum. Um, again, he was one that seen that he was ready last year. Stephen Gerald fancied him, played him on the Australia pre-season tour. He'd be one I would probably expect to be ready for the first team squad now, possibly. I think out of those five there, Irobunum is probably most likely to be one that you'd put back into the first team squad just because of the position he plays. Aaron Ramsey also looks a very talented player, but I think we're more heavily stacked in the creative kind of forward midfield players. Jaden Fulagene, Louis Barry, not quite sure whether they've got... I mean, if we're talking about Cameron Archer and John Duran not getting in, Louis Barry's not going to get in anytime soon. And Finazaz is somebody I think I spoke about last summer, saying that maybe we'll get rid of him. was only 21, had a very good season at, at Plymouth. It might be that he goes back there permanently, things like that. And I don't, I'm not sure whether those five left there at the bottom have got long-term futures at Villa, unless I'm being very harsh on Urbunum and Ramsey. How, how do you assess those five? I think Irabunum probably would have him around the group, to be honest. You think the last time Villa were in Europe a long time ago, Gary Gardner would have been mm, involved. Yeah. And Barry Bannon, people like Salifu. I think I don't want to disrespect the, the Conference League before we're in it, but I think I think there's a a good opportunity to, to, to blood. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go completely second string for these games because we don't want to be it to be over before we've got we've got anywhere in it. I think from 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 what I've heard and the bits that I've seen about him, I think it'd be a good good opportunity to to blood him, I think, this year. Oh, I agree. I agree. Let's get Irabunum up in the first team squad as well then. What about the rest? Aaron Ramsey is probably the only other one, but I just don't think I don't think we need him in there. I think he, again he would benefit from a, a full season somewhere and the rest yeah, you probably just should keep him out on loan just in case. But if offers come in, like Lou Barry's playing for Salford. He's not going to play for Villa, is he? No, it's quite quite a journey. He's been on it from West Brom to Barcelona <laughs> yeah. to Villa to you know prominence by by scoring for the first team, and then that's football, isn't it? You know, not not every footballer is going to come and tear it up and yeah, and be able to do it, maintain it at the at the, the 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 highest level. The only potential one is Aaron Ramsey, just because we we've talking we've we've spoken a lot about exciting attacking midfielders with who can who can supply width but even so I don't think he's going to get a look in I think he I think eventually I think he he, he could go on and, and and force his way into Villa but maybe he needs another year of development before he does that so it's it's, it's a difficult one there between those uh, between season long loan and short term loan <laughs> especially with the way the conference league is obviously going to be easier in the first half of the season than the second because yeah. it's the, the group stages where you're playing people that you've probably never heard of so you can maybe keep them around to play in those early stages from now till January and loan them out in the second half if you loan them out in the, in the first half and then bring them back they're probably not going to play in the conference league anyway because you're in the latter stages and knockouts and you play in your first team every game as well so maybe Aaron Ramsey gets a short term loan and we assess him either in the second half or the, or the first half of the season and the rest go out on full season loans with a view to, to moving somewhere permanently elsewhere. I, I'd put all of those in, in season-long loan, I think, with possibly Ramsey as a short term. Yeah, it, it, the, the key thing is, and this will be answered with some of the recruitment in the next mm. couple of weeks, the, the key thing is making sure we've got enough, a big enough squad yeah. That, yeah. I mean, how many is how in your first team squad now? 21. So if you sign so four signings... 
25 man squad. Did say at the top of the podcast we need to sign five this summer. Mm. We've already signed one, so it'd be bang on, wouldn't it? I think you need you need the 25. Uh, and again, I'm harking back, but I also think like Isaiah Osborne was involved last time we were in Europe. <laughs> Eric Lehigh and Shane Lowry. So I mean, we did get knocked out pretty quickly one year, though. So <laughs> that's not not the best lesson. That, that isn't that is an excellent point. That is an excellent point. Probably suggests yeah, playing fully fledged players where possible and. Only a, only a, a kind of um, a smattering of, of, of kids. I mean, we've got 33 players there that we've spoken about and only 21 of them are sticking around. So like I said at the very start, if you saw that Villa's out this year were 12. You go, 12, 12 players leaving, that's quite a lot. But how many of those players actually featured regularly enough for Villa last year in the first team to make an impact? Basically none of them. Emery can sign however many players he wants to or is allowed to. But if you say that we've signed Telemans and we do, let's say it's another four players, we need a goalkeeper. Mm. In that list, we need another right back. Right back. We need a wide attacking player, winger, mm. in my opinion, and we potentially need we potentially need another centre forward. Of the ones that we've effectively discarded, are any of those good enough, ready enough to fill those positions? Yeah, I'm not necessarily sure they are. I'm loath to him to start adding too much to the mix and disrupting it. And, you know, if he decides that that's that's the right thing to do, fair enough. But, you know, we were at the FA Cup quite early. Weren't we? we were already out of the, the League Cup. Uh, we didn't have any European football by the time we went on. You know, I know we, when he came in, first of all, we had a, an initial bounce, but it was only really perhaps in the last two months of the season that we've really gone for it and really, really kicked on. And Premier League was our only priority. We didn't have any distractions at that time. Mm. So I back the group, but... I don't back that group of 21 that we've selected. I think there there, there will there will be more signings. Uh and we haven't touched on yet Dan and I know you're going to going to mention it so I've probably preempted it slightly but do we see any of that those 21 do we see any of them being prized away from us? Yeah, that was the final thing I was going to ask really is we we're, we're approaching kind of the end of the show. We're kind of talking there about like we've got 20-odd players that we'd love to keep hold of and football obviously doesn't work like that. Some players uh, when the Villa are doing well get poached it's something we don't really talk about very often that obviously we don't want to talk about it and we don't want to sit and go oh yeah let's accept this bid for this and this bid for that but when players are looking for goalkeepers and we've got one of the best in the world and people are looking at centre halves and you've got people like Conser and Mings and Carlos who are all very good and you think oh, if an offer comes in for those what, what happens there so we, I'm not going to ask you is there anyone there you'd, you'd be happy to sell because I, I don't think there would be anyone in that that first team squad selection that we picked where you think yeah we can cash in there and, and be happy about it but is is there anyone in there that you would kind of consider losing if the if the offer was right? It's in every pretty much every club or most clubs in the world are selling clubs if somebody mm. comes in with the right offer. But I don't want Villa to think that they need to be bullied by Champions League clubs now. You know, if somebody came and offered a hundred million quid for any of our players, I'd probably sell them. Oh yeah, a hundred million. But I, I want to be more realistic than that. Let's say, let's say Tottenham coming for Douglas Louise for thirty-five. Would you think about that? No, but if they're coming okay. for Douglas Louise for for seventy, <laughs> if they're coming to Douglas Louise for seventy, probably yes. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I think upwards of upwards of fifty million for anybody, you probably have to start thinking about it. I don't think you you sell, and this is probably stupid now because I've probably overlooked somebody. Would you sell anybody in that in that? first team squad for or certainly in your first team starters mm. would you sell anybody for less than 30, 30 million I don't think you would would you Matty Cash for less than 30 though 29 <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm not <laughs> <buying> it, <but laughs> Leon Bailey, if we were offered 30 million, I'd take that. But like the one, so the ones on the edges, the only ones, the ones that didn't start in your list. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. So Callum Chambers, you'd accept less than thirty million quid for Luca Dean. You probably would, although he'd probably cost yeah. him cost twenty five or something. Yeah. Uh, but the ones who have started regularly under under Emery, even even Bailey, I think you know you you'd, you'd probably want to want to get. What did we pay for Bailey? I think it was something like twenty eight. I mean, figures are always off, but if you are, we we'll back again. So I wouldn't entertain. You know, you can you can you can click this and you can you can tell tell all those pesky kind of chief scouts and directors of football. That <laughs> I wouldn't accept thirty million for anybody in that less than thirty million for too many people in that uh, twenty-one man first team group. Uh, I'm going to call it there because we're going to go round and round in circles here and, and not really get anywhere. I'd be interested to see if, uh, obviously, in the comments, let us know where you you kind of assess where players should leave and go out on loan, things like that. But also that last kind of five minutes or however many minutes I cut it down to, is there anyone on the edges where you think they're worth something that you would offer? There were people that say things like, if we were offered 50 million for Ollie Watkins, I'd take it. And 50 million for John McGinn, I would take it. There'll be loads of people that think that, but... I think you and me are both of the same mindset that we we really like like the core element of the squad, and we wouldn't want to accept that kind of money for them. But like I said, we're going to go round and round in circles here. Yeah, and we don't we don't need to to sell to buy necessarily either, do no, we? No, if, if, if getting rid of some of the crown jewels meant that that it gave us a big pot of cash to to go and invest, fair enough. But I don't think you know, and it's amazing that Villa have got to this place so yeah, quickly. Yeah. But we're not in that position, so it would have to be something that either gives us scope to go out and get somebody really special. We don't really want to strengthen our rivals either, mm. um, our Premier League rivals or our conference our conference rivals. Yeah, thank you, Matt, for joining me. I think the hot weather is getting us a little bit delirious here after we're recording this for an hour, but I think the podcast is probably about 25 minutes after we've whittled down all the, all the nonsense. But thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everyone, for watching along as well. Like I said earlier, get involved in the comments section and in the debate. Uh, we're going to try and be better at replying and reading comments this year, so it's not a kind of a wasted exercise to, to go and have your say. We'll be back next week with more Aston Villa content as we build up to the new season. Uh, so thank you very much for watching, and we'll see you then.